Welcome back to the Something's Brewing Podcast, episode 43. 43. The Danton Heinen and Bob Beers episode. Oh, uh, wait, you're missing one more. Who? Come on. Oh, Matt Barkowski. Yeah, the legend. Wait. I will never forget Game 7, 2013, Toronto Maple Leafs. Matt Bartkowski opens up the scoring with a fucking nuke from the blue line. Didn't he go like a thousand regular season games without a goal? Probably. I, mean, yeah, I, mean. I just I just remember him because he, he would never score in the regular season, but every now and then he'd get one in the playoffs. I actually want to go look at that. Mel, Mel, he played before you look, he played 256 career games. How many goals do you think he had? 256 career regular season games? Yeah, no, just in general. Total. Um not even kidding. I'm gonna guess three. He had eight goals, 40 <laughs> assists, 48 points. He was a minus twelve. Um, I want to see wow. if I can find his post. Hey, great locker room guy, though. Great locker room guy. I mean, it speaks to the fact that everybody knows he played. Him. He played. Well, OK, he was on the <laughs> Bruins, the NHL, the Boston Bruins roster for five seasons. Although his first two stints with the team, he played six games in 2010, 2011 and three games in 2011, 2012. Stanley so, Cup champion, Matt Barkowski. That's right. <clears throat> so looking at this, let's see, that's about 100. Hundred. He's played about 120 games as a Boston Bruin. Regular season games. Guess how many goals he scored <laughs> with the Boston Bruins in those roughly 120 games? Two. Zero. Zero. He did not score one regular season goal with the. He didn't score a goal in the NHL until uh, when he went to Calgary. <laughs> what a legend. <laughs> He made his NHL debut in 2010, and he didn't pick up his first goal until 2016. <laughs> Dude, how did he, like how did he maintain an NHL career? Like, Holy shit! You, he has you, two, three. Wait, one, two. Dude, he is. Oh no! I looked down too far. He scored six with Vancouver, but he still never scored with the Bruins. Yeah, he has eight regular season goals. Jesus Christ! Well, he popped off in Vancouver. I and mean. he was—he played from 2010 to 2020. It's over 10 years in the league. No, that's and he that's scored insane. eight goals. And he was a career minus 12. What? <laughs> what is he doing out there? I don't know. But hey, uh, welcome back to the show. This is episode 43. Um, you know, as always, brought to you in partnership with the Black and Gold Productions LLC. You can follow them on Twitter at BNG Productions. Uh, you can follow our Twitter account at Bruin something, no G at the end. 
by the way, you can subscribe to our YouTube. It's at Something's Brewing. We had a little bit of an issue with the uh, upload of the video last week. For some reason, it wouldn't upload to either the computer or YouTube. So episode 42 is missing, but this one will hopefully be up. Um, but yeah, off-season woes continue. Florida, we finally have a Stanley Cup matchup. It's Florida Vegas. Uh, that's we do. Good. That is going to be an insane series. Yeah, gonna for, be like, nuts. for like 80% of the Bruins fans, this is like absolute <laughs> like I feel like they would prefer just a an asteroid hurtling towards planet Earth. Oh, I yeah. think they would take that over having to watch a Stanley Cup matchup between Bruce Cassidy's Golden Knights and the Florida Panthers. For me, I love it. I think I it's gonna it make I think it's gonna make for some great hockey. And I've said it enough times now. I'm all aboard the Florida Panthers wagon. Um, but I will say I'm kind of getting aggravated by Vegas because their social media is kind of annoying me. How do you see all the stuff they're doing on, on Twitter? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it is annoying, but I feel like that's just kind of like the new wave, especially with the new teams trying to like get fans. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Because a lot of fan, like a lot of teams, they if you think about it, social media is huge in terms of like interactions and just kind of blowing up Twitter and Instagram and stuff like that. If they're more creative and they're more out there, it's probably going to get shared more, and then more people are going to be exposed to their team. But I'm, I, but I understand what you're saying because it's like, it's weird. Yeah, no, and it definitely is. I think we're at a point now where it's if if your team doesn't kind of have that, you know, quirky millennial ripping jokes as their Twitter admin, then uh, you stick out. I think a little more than teams that do. But um, for for Vegas, I mean, they're kind of just conjuring up rivals now just because of their <laughs> their social media presence. Like yes. when they were they were tweeting about uh, about Dallas and they spelled Dallas with like three or four L's, whatever the <laughs> hell it was. <laughs> See, that's kind of funny. That's no, that funny. was that was pretty funny. But yeah. it's just interesting. It's kind of the new wave of this uh, social media presence for sports teams, and even like the Boston Bruins, their social media presence has been so boring forever. And now, like, it's it's refreshing. They have a bit of a personality. I don't know who their social media admin is, but the one who creates – she creates a ton of videos on TikTok specifically with all of the players, which is, like, it's so much – it was – in a season that was really fun because we were watching the team win, it was also really fun to see their personalities expressed that way on social media. Well, it's funny, too, because Vegas had another one because obviously where there was this big beef with uh, the oh, San, with San Jose. Sharks, <laughs> yeah. it, was the, it was the clown one with the um, – yeah, yeah. like it progressively gets more like a clown. And it, they tag the Sharks. It goes, miss the playoffs. He's painting on the white face. Lose the draft lottery. You start seeing the clown paint come on. Jump on Star's bandwagon. The, the clown afro is on. And then watch Vegas advance to Stanley Cup final, and it's just the whole clown face. Yeah, like it's funny. It is funny. No, honestly, I I love that. I think it's fun. But like, what San Jose? Like, what are you doing? Like, uh, they were like talking about change. I don't know if they did. I know they were tweeting about changing their uh, their profile picture to that of a like cartoon shark with a Dallas star. And I yeah. like, <laughs> I weird. feel like I'm sounding like an old man screaming at clowns. I'm screaming at clowns, screaming at clowns. At clowns. <laughs> <laughs> because it's all in good fun. But like, imagine if like I don't know if the Bruins sucked and they had like they couldn't even tank properly, and suddenly they were like supporting the Carolina Hurricanes and like tweeting about it. Like it's yeah. I don't know. I would if I was a San Jose Shark fan, I would be like, this is, I mean, they only have like five of them anyways, but still <laughs> for the real diehards, I'd be like, I don't know about well, this. That's that's the other thing too. It's the I feel like the fan bases are different. Like we're, the Bruins fan base is original six. They're diehards. They understand the game to a certain level that maybe 
a lot of Sharks fans don't necessarily mm-hmm. understand. But they, in their perspective, they need to grow and they need to get that fan base bigger. But if you're if if you're the Bruins admin, there's a giant Bruins fan base that knows hockey, and yeah. they, and they know the reaction that the fans will have if say like. All of a sudden, the Bruins. Say the Bruins in this season, how they got eliminated in the first round. If they were all of a sudden supporting, like, I don't know, the 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 Rangers or something like that, Ugh. all of their all their mentions would be like, "Stop! Like, what? Are you doing? <laughs> like, this is not okay." There would be mutiny. Um, yeah. oh, I do want to get. By, by the way, the Bruins uh, social coordinator is Elaine Cavalieri. You can saucer a follow. Oh, on I think Twitter. a follower. Yeah, at Elaine underscore Cav. So I, I got to—I actually got the pleasure to meet her at Bruins Development Camp last year, and she's really um, awesome person and a great person to be driving that social content for the team. So yeah, if you meet her. her again, tell her she's doing a great job. I was gonna say too. Speaking of great social media jobs, um, the people who have been making the graphics for the Florida Panthers and when Carolina was still in it, when they were—it was almost like obviously it was a battle on the ice, but it was a battle between graphic designers too. Some yeah. of the graphics that they were putting out were. So so cool yes and the the guy who's i don't know if he's their social media admin or he's at least the graphic designer for um the hurricanes obviously they lost they got swept he didn't get to use all of their graphics so he ended up posting the graphics that were unused and those were even cooler than the ones that they did use i know they had one if they were to win a game seven that was um like a a stormy sea and then there was like a, a a a cat collar that was like sinking into the ocean and it was like here kitty kitty or something like that yes and it was like oh my god this is and like i know um the guys from uh only bruin so they were tweeting about um the the, the designs they were making for the dallas stars it was pretty yes. cool everybody's stepping up their social media game in this day yeah. and age Dude, as, it's as awesome. an excessive twitter user i love seeing it it's a lot yeah. of fun and it's awesome being a part of it too like personally knowing these guys but um Wait, before that, did you see what um, Bruce Cassidy said, too? That that subtle shot he threw? At oh, Arizona. in Arizona. <laughs> and then he was, like, he was like, oh, what did he say? He was like, um, he was like no disrespect. but no, Yeah. He's like, I don't think we would beat the Arizona Coyotes with that many turnovers. Yeah. No disrespect just, to Arizona. You know, <laughs> like, no disrespect, but, like, you know, your team is dog water. You don't even have a home rank. You got no yeah. fans. But, yeah, I mean, I mean that respectfully. Like, yeah. oh, my I God. Mean, Catch his face. He probably just like said that out loud, and then he was like, "Oh shit!" I, like, I need I to mean, like cover this up. I guarantee you, though, if if the cameraman, if it was on camera, if he turned around and got a, a wide shot of every single person in the room, I guarantee you, every reporter was nodding their head, going, well, "I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. you, <laughs> you can't just say it." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's his name? Uh, the, Stephen A. Yeah. Smith. Stephen A. Smith clip. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, um, even even like the. Um, Oh man, like the the once upon a time in Hollywood, the Leonardo DiCaprio meme when he's pointing at the TV. Even all the Arizona yeah, Coyotes players probably like, "Hey, yeah, yeah." I mean, you know, you can't really say much to rebuttal that. I mean, he's not no, wrong. <laughs> it's it's like that whole saga when when it was announced that Arizona wasn't going to get their new Arizona didn't get their rink approved in Tempe, I think it was, and then immediately Clayton Keller's dad was like, "Yeah, no, Keller's not coming back. Yeah, he's getting out of there." And that's, that's, that that's whole- a, a day later, Keller's dad was like, "I got hacked." Like, yeah. I'm sorry. No yes. one's hacking Clayton Keller's dad yeah, of every account. And even <laughs> if they do, that's the last thing that they're tweeting is, oh, right. Clayton Keller is, is out of here just because we couldn't get this rank in Tempe or whatever the hell it was. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's funny, though, because I was seeing some people who are more on the business side of the no, especially yeah. in Arizona, saying that when it came to 
building that stadium that the rink in Tempe, they didn't have to do a vote. They could have just done it. Like they had enough, they had the, whether it be the financial backing or they had enough people in the local government to go ahead with the plans, but they just thought, you know, we'll do this and get the fan recognition. And maybe they thought that it would help garner support. Although it seems like everybody's saying they already had it. So they basically had this vote for the right to build this rink in Tempe that they did not have to do in the first place. They could have broke ground and it would have made no difference, but they held the vote anyways. It, it was voted down and now they're like, shit, man. Like, they thought they're, they were going to use it to help like build their case, but they already had a case that, that was bought and sold. Like it was, you didn't have to do that, which is right. why it makes it even funnier. They just, that franchise can't do anything right. Dude, and then and then you see their like their Twitter admin just, just oh yeah, dude, they're just blowing themselves scorched like, earth like what yeah like, like the memes and it, it was like it was like a twenty thousand likes and we'll we'll tweet where we're gonna build our next stadium or something yeah. <laughs> like, like, yeah. like that whole fiasco is one of the most it's probably the most embarrassing thing to ever happen in that franchise that's had a lot of embarrassing moments and then and to react like that on twitter like they were like oh like vote below where you want our next stadium to be and all four options were arizona like it was so it was so funny i want to see what happens to them though if uh if they go to houston or if atlanta gets a team again or screw it let's go up to quebec city i don't know maybe they'll stay in arizona but they they could have been building a rink in tempe if they didn't want to get cute with it and hold a vote for no reason yeah like i'm going through some of their tweets right now <laughs> pack if this tweet gets twenty five thousand likes we will reveal who our new admin is Eight thousand likes. <laughs> oh, I bet you. I bet you it's Paul Bissonnette. He's yes, the one who. He's the admin. Dude, this one hashtag Yotes forever. Nine hundred and forty-eight likes. Um, oh God, dude. There's another one I just scrolled by. Should the Coyotes relocate? It's a poll. The I mean, it's the two responses are no and no, and it was like 50-50. Um. Things already can't get any worse for Arizona in terms of the on-ice product, but like, you know, to Clayton Keller's dad's credit, I mean, if you're in Arizona, why would you want to resign there if you don't even know where you're going to be playing? And if you're a free agent, why would you want to go to Arizona if you don't even know where you're going to be playing? No, they they put out a tweet. It's their pinned tweet on their on their social media right now. It says the wait is over. Click the link below, and the link is in all caps. New arena plans. You click on it, and you get Rick rolled. Yeah, just, no, I'm, I'm, Rick Astley, I remember seeing that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they they literally it's they set up a whole fake website just for that one gag on Twitter. Like what? <laughs> like what is like what is happening with that? Or do you think do you think that they know? that it's over and they're getting moved. So they're just, they're just throwing everything out there. Like everything. I honestly don't know because it's their, their, their social media strategy right now is extremely bold. And I don't think I've ever seen anything like it before, <laughs> no, no. but um, like, I really don't, I'm like, I've been trying to think of what the angle could be. I mean, yeah, you could, the biggest thing for Arizona right now is they don't have a place to play. Like they need to establish what their city's going to be. And, and so many things unfold after that from branding to new uniforms to relocating everything, which is why, like, if you were to think of like, what's the goal of this whole Twitter thing? for engagements i mean is that really the biggest is that your biggest worry right now shouldn't you be thinking about if you're gonna have a job yeah, <laughs> moving yeah. forward and then it was funny after the whole uh <laughs> like twenty thousand likes and we'll tweet our stadium plans tweet the next day 
they had an opening online for a new social media manager for, yeah, I saw that. for the coyotes. I saw that. Uh, oh my God. And at least, at least I know I was kind of whining about Vegas earlier. At least Vegas isn't doing it to that because if I was right. in Arizona, if I was a fan of the coyotes, I mean, I guess, you know, you've watched the on ice play of your team for the last, let's, let's call it 20 years. I mean, I don't really think there's anything that your social media admin can do that will make you more embarrassed to be, affiliated with the Arizona Coyotes, but I don't know if I was a fan, I would be, oof, I don't know if I would be supporting that social media campaign. It's, it's interesting because I think ever since Vegas came into this, into the league, right there, you've seen more almost character from teams themselves, not just Vegas, but more character, more social media interactions, more engagement with fans on social media. And by the way, I, and I, I will say this. I respect what Vegas does because them alone brings a lot of eyes to the NHL, whether it's their that little like pregame show with the night guy who's who's like skating around the ice, making it like a show almost pumping up the crowd. Um, They got the on ice projections. They've got the golden night head. They've got those like drummers with the the light beam glasses (laughs) like it's cool like it's like a new era in a new age of of team culture almost and they're i think they're kind of steamrolling and and they're like leading the charge of other teams who are maybe struggling to gain traction with a fan base and and stick out as a team, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's definitely refreshing because I feel like a lot of these teams, like you mentioned earlier, are kind of handcuffed to their history, right? Like, right. Th- like the the Bruins, the Maple Leafs, the Canadians, these original six teams, they can't be like tweeting and posting shit like the way that, you know, Seattle might be or that Vegas has or that San Jose is doing now. But right. like, you know, like this team, like the, the Vegas Golden Knights, I mean, they came into the NHL, like they have the entertainment. They're going to have the fans. I mean, people oh, yeah. flock to that stadium, not even just to watch the Vegas Golden Knights play, but because they, they do have fans, but just because it's something fun to do in Vegas. Right. And I think that like, they're like, there, like, there's not enough fun things to do. Yeah, I know. Right? <laughs> exactly. And I think that their social media presence, like so perfectly exemplifies the feeling around that team and the energy yeah. that 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 team break. I, I firmly believe that Vegas could suck. They could be one of the worst teams in the league and they would probably still sell at that stadium every single night just because it's in the heart of Las Vegas and yeah. it's something to do. And um, I don't know, like especially like uh, Montreal, like I feel bad for their social media admin because every they have to tweet everything twice, once in English and once in French. And I, <laughs> True. I know that must suck. <laughs> you, think, you think they get paid double <laughs> just because of that? They should. I wonder if they actually, if they're bilingual or if they're using like Google Translate to, <laughs> to translate everything. And I wonder why they would just do it on one account rather than having an English and a French account. But I don't know. Yeah. I don't work with Montreal. Wait. So, okay. So now I'm thinking about it. Say the Bruins were to adapt, not social media, but in terms of um, fan experience and, and stuff like that, actually at the garden, what do you think that they could do that could kind of rival, maybe not rival what Vegas does, but kind of get into that similar scene, whether it's ice projections or whatnot? Because they don't really, they don't really, do they anything. really, they really don't do much. But no. again, like that's where it gets tough because it's, 
the Bruins are one of those teams that you can say they're handcuffed by their history. Like you can't be putting on, you can't have drummers out there with glow in the dark right. mustaches and, and right. like flame <laughs> shooting out of their skates because like this is, you know, it's just not something you would expect to see from the Boston Bruins. So I think they would have to walk a fine line between having it be new and exciting while also respecting the culture and, you know, the organization and everything that's come before. Cause like Vegas, like they came in the league with a clean slate, man, they can do whatever. Like this is their culture now that they just established. And that's, they, they set the precedent of what they want their standards to be as an organization on the ice, off the ice. And in terms of creating an atmosphere and now, and it's doing fantastic and that's going to be their whole identity moving forwards. And like the Bruins, like I I feel like you can't just introduce that. Um, Cause I feel like it would be exciting, but like, you know, there's not just like new and young and fun fans around here. There's also a whole bunch of old heads too. And I know they would go into that stadium and they'd be like, ah, what the hell are we doing here? Like, <laughs> this isn't Ray Bork is, is rolling in his, in his hockey grave. If you were to see this shit. I mean, I mean, just take a look at what some of the older Red Sox fans say about the led lights for home runs. Like they're, oh they, were, they were pissed about it. And it's Which like, is what? really cool by the way. It is, like, it is cool. Yeah. I don't know though what the what the Bruins could do. I mean, I I think that they could definitely do like light shows, yeah, or or See, like uh, like three D shit on the ice. Like that would be kind of cool. That's what I'm thinking. And if you want to tie it in with say the history of the team, right? Like you don't want to like you want to engage in this new era of fan experience at the game, right? You want to set yourself apart a little bit, and you want to make people you know, have a reason to continue to come back, whether it's with their kids or, or say you're in your mid twenties, whatever, and you're just looking to have a good time, but you get that extra little pop and the Bruins could, could keep it tied with their history where you have those say pregame on ice projections, but you have like old vintage tapes of like Bobby Orr and Phil Esposito or, um, 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 chief, like, and you have like the black and white video just projecting on the ice and it's all these yeah. cool little things. And then you have like their number retires. It's like projected into the circles or something. I don't know. Like, but like little things like that, I think need to be done in the coming years to at least keep things to keep up with the time. Basically they should, they should take uh, a wild bear and just let them loose absolutely just, and just see what happens <laughs> no but that i think that would be like like for like the bruins playoff games i don't know if they do this for every regular season game but usually before a bruins playoff game they'll have some sort of hype video playing on, yes. the, on the big screen if they could project that onto the ice and have it be interactive like you know like i like i think vegas is the one who does it where like they're uh the the circles around the face-off dots like all of a sudden they'll look like a ring of fire yes and it'll it'll like it's they have like pyrotechnics and like uh like light animations that react with the ice that almost make it look like it's real. I know the NBA did it where they would have this thing that would make it look like the, the NBA, like the parquet floor is collapsing. Yeah. And like it, if you're in the nosebleeds in the three hundreds, it looks really cool. I'm sure if you're up pretty close, you're like, Hey, those are just lights on the floor. <laughs> but like if the Bruins could do something like that and they could kind of tie it in with the city, I'm sure you could do like a, like a Boston landscape in the background or something. And like you said, with the numbers or you could even have like, the faces like imagine like you're at the Bruins game they're playing Toronto like yep. it's game 80 the division title is on the line and you're watching this hype video and like and all the face-off dots like 
Rayborg's face is in one and it disappears and boom, there's Bergeron's face and over here yes. there's Char's face and disappears and there's Milt Schmidt's face and then it ends in like the center ice and there's like Bobby Orr or some shit or yeah. however it is. And then like you could have like this whole like light show thing and that's like new and trendy and it would be a way to engage fans. But at the same time, you're also like honoring your history and you're not just pivoting and just going to this new age thing. I think they could do something like that. I think that would be fun. Yeah, like what you just said, like that's kind of exactly what I was picturing. Like you keep it tied in with the history, right? Because you're not going to be Vegas and you're not going to start something brand new. You already have an established history. You already have great um, generational players and legends that have played for your team and won Stanley Cups in this city. So you got to use utilize that to your advantage and play with it. And then, like you said, like the pregame, like you have their faces or their numbers and they're projected on the ice and the music's loud and, and the whole arena's dark and that's all you can see. And then, like you said, like say it all goes black and then it's just one projected light on like the B or something and you hear like a big bear roar. And, oh, then, yeah. oh. and then the music goes and the team comes out and the garden's hyped. Like, oh like, man, I'm getting like, off. And then they could even do like, a, uh, you know, a whole row gets like a free year at Dunkin' Donuts coffee or something. Yeah. That would be place going. It's yeah. much better than that stupid little blimp that flies around and drops pieces of paper all over <laughs> all over everybody. Right. Like, I, I feel like I just as a fan myself and someone who goes to a decent amount of games, that would keep me coming back and, and maybe make spending $120 on a ticket every couple of months a little more worth it and a little more worth my while too. You know, and, 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 even, just, and just make that home ice advantage that much better. Oh, yeah. I mean, that will get people going before the puck even drops. Not that they even right. get going anymore. But like, and, and again, not like the Bruins have any problem around here growing the fan base. Or it's not right. like they have any right. trouble not selling out every game. But like, I don't know, like think about like a, like a young kid, like knowing, oh, like, you know, I want to go to the Bruins. You know, you can go to the Bruins game. You can go to the Celtics game the Red Sox start in April, which one you can only get tickets to one. Well, you know, only one of them has this cool, if I'm a kid, only one of them has this cool light show with loud music and all this yeah. other shit. I don't know. I think that they should, I, I think you're going to be seeing a lot of teams. You're already seeing a, like a lot of West coast teams are starting to do stuff like the interactive stuff on the ice. Maybe it's because those are usually, those are, the newer teams in the league, but I think you're going to start seeing a lot more teams do more interactive stuff like that because I mean, you got to help grow the game and help put some, Fannies in the seats, and if you can't play well on the ice, which hasn't been the Bruins' problem, at least you can try to sell some tickets. Give them a light show, damn it. Yeah, give them a light show. I think it would be really cool. But, um, damn, we went off a, on a tangent. That wasn't even planned. That was sick. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a good idea. Um, but there there have been rumors re- lately. Um, obviously, Linus Olmark's name has been thrown around in trade rumors. Um, there is a little bit of traction. I don't know how much weight you want to put into it, but I think it's worth talking about is Edmonton looking obviously for a goalie and they apparently have taken a peek at Linus Allmark and we're interested in Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Now I'm pretty sure uh, Nuge just had a career season in Edmonton and you can. Oh yes, he absolutely did. And I'm sure you can attribute some of that to Dreisaitl and the McDavid factor, just playing with them. But natural center, he's 30 years old right now. Um, let's see. Yeah, this season he had 104 points, 37 goals, 67 assists. Um, career-wise, 801 games played, 632 points. Would you entertain that? Would you want Nugent Hawkins over here? Oh, I would 
No, you, you, you can go. What were you going to say? Obviously, it kind of depends on the futures of Bergeron and Krejci as well. I'm sure that's a factor, but uh, you can go. Yeah, no, I mean, I would I would love Nugent Hopkins on the Bruins, but I mean, there, there are a couple things I think about. First of all, you kind of mentioned playing with um, Drysdale and McDavid definitely helps, but he's also playing in like arguably the worst division in all of hockey. Like yeah. he, had, he had 37 goals and 104 points this year. Prior to this, his career high was 69 goals, yeah. and uh, he's never scored over 28 goals in a season. Which he only he's only he's he's four times in his career. He's played 12 years, four times in his career. Other than this year, he's been a 20 goal scorer. This year, he just randomly spazzed and had 37 goals and 104 points. Much like I don't see Linus Olmark having another season for the rest of his career like he did this year. I don't see Ryan Nugent Hopkins coming close to another 104 point, 37 goal season. So do you think both teams are just trying to kind of capitalize Cap- on when, when uh, yeah. players' values are th- at their highest? I think so, yeah. And um, I don't know off the top of my head what Edmonton's uh, cap situation is like, but I know Ryan Nugent Hopkins is set to make just under $7 million next year. And I know if they were to ship him out and maybe you could uh, bring in a goalie like Lena Solmark and then use the rest of whatever they have left to get another center or what was he was he playing wing for them or i don't i don't know he can play wing and center wait um the the i'm looking at cap friendly right now and it says his cap hit is 5.1 i have next year nuge is making i think 5.1 is the average next year he has a 6.2 oh yeah you're looking at his cap hit i see what you're saying his base salary next year though is 6.2 but yeah he has a 5.1 million dollar cap hit until his age 35 season, which is 28, 29. I mean, I just feel like if, if I, I personally, I feel like the Bruins could get more than Ryan Nugent Hopkins for Linus Allmark and thinking about what each of them can contribute to this team. Well, I do think both of them will take a step back next year. Cause I just think it's unrealistic to expect either of them to perform the way that they did this year again for the rest of their careers. I just think you would get more value from having Linus Allmark on this roster next year than you would having Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Yeah, I, I think mean, a lot of that changes, though, like you said, if Bergeron and Krejci like leave and you have these huge gaping holes. But um, I mean, Nugent Hopkins definitely had the, the the point production this year to be a first line center. But mm-hmm. would you feel comfortable with Ryan with a 30 year old turning 31 year old Ryan Nugent Hopkins as your as your five million dollar first line center for the next five years? I think uh, maybe, but. I, I'm starting to lean towards the feeling that David Krejci might not be coming back. And that might not be a bad thing. And I hate saying that, but you saw how he performed towards the end of the season. He he really wasn't performing at all. He didn't do anything in the playoffs. Um, he was slowing down at, at, at you know the back half of the season. I don't know necessarily if bringing him back next year is the smartest move if you want to stay competitive. Because you got to think about it too. If you're going to go into playoffs again with, well, Bergeron's going to be 39 next year and and Krejci just about the same, you really want them playing a full season and then another two months of hockey with, with with their fatigue level probably you know, matching what it was this season. I don't know if that's the smartest move. So if you can bring in Bergeron, Bergeron, yes, 100% on Bergeron. Krejci, I don't know. But if you can bring in Nugent Hopkins and he can play second line and then maybe you reunite reunite 
Nugent Hopkins and Hall together with Pasta on the right side, that might not be bad. And then you also, but you also have Zaka as well. So you, you have options. And obviously we're not going to know until the offseason moves start to happen. We're going to get a clearer picture. But I, I, I think if you bring him in as a second line center, then that's going to help you immensely. Yeah, I think I, mean, I think he's I think he's an upgrade over Krejci. I think he's definitely an upgrade over Krejci. Um, but I mean, Nugent Hopkins does have his flaws as well. The guy can never stay right. healthy. Right. I mean, right. he has he's had a lot of trouble staying on the ice. He's only three times has he played a full 80, 82 games. Um, but I don't know. I mean, it's it. I just don't see him having the same level of production really anywhere close next year than what he did this year. And I'm not saying like he's, he's never had a 70 point season his entire career. He just had 104 points yep. and you have to wonder how much of that is from playing with McDavid and dry and how much of that is from playing in for the Edmonton Oilers in a season where the rest of their division sucked ass. Um, I would yeah. love to have Ryan Nugent Hopkins on the Bruins. Don't get me wrong, but I don't know. I just feel like you could. There are other other avenues you could explore if you're trading Linus Olmark prior to just saying, okay, we'll ship him out for Nugent Hopkins. I don't know. I know there are players on the on the free agent market this year who are. I mean, I know that's a bit of a gamble because if you trade Linus Olmark with the hopes you're going to use that money in free agency and they sign elsewhere, or then he look like an idiot. Um, but I don't know. I think that it's it's two teams cashing in on their players while their value is at the highest it's ever going to be. And I think that that sets up both teams to be uh, pleasantly surprised next year when Olmark doesn't have a sub two goals against average and Ryan Nugent Hopkins is not a hundred point player. Yeah. No, he, he exploded this season. I mean, I, what did you say? His previous career high was 69 points. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that was like four or five seasons ago, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 2018, 2019, he had 69 points, 28 yeah. goals. And I mean, the, don't get me wrong. Like he's a great player, former first overall pick. He's when when he plays, he's the kind of player who you know what you're going to get. He's reliable. He's a playmaker. He's consistent. Um, he's not without his his warts. I'll say. You know, he hasn't always been consistent in terms of point productions. He hasn't been consistent in terms of just staying healthy in the lineup. He isn't great defensively. But um, I don't know. I mean, if it's a if it's a risk you want to make if you're worried that you know Krejci's going to leave and Bergeron might retire and you know you're going to have holes in, in center and you know that you can at least sure up one of those or have an idea of who can be your second line center for the next four years because he's under contract until what did I say 2028 um, and if you think that that's worth giving Linus Olmark up for it then by all means do it but I, I personally I feel like they they could kick tires and other players on the league and potentially get more for a 29 year old Linus Olmark than the 30 year old Nugent Hopkins coming back the other way. No, that's fair. Um, so I also want to mention this. So um, if you're betting out there, if you're going to, if you're planning on betting on the Stanley Cup final, I strongly advise everybody to go to fanduel.com slash Boston to uh, get your rewards, get your bonuses. Um, because right now the odds are actually, in favor of Vegas, Florida, mm. Florida maintains being the underdog. They're they're plus one fifteen right now, um, or no, I'm sorry, that's just for game one. Um, the series, Vegas. I think is the still series favored. Vegas is still favored. Yeah, yeah, but that's not exactly what that's exactly what Florida wants, though. 
Right. Yeah. They want to play that underdog card, but yeah. So if you're planning on betting, um, definitely go to fanduel.com slash Boston, get those bonuses, get those benefits. Um, and hopefully make some money because if you're in my boat, you've stopped gambling because I have made no money. Yeah. <laughs> I have made I've, I've lost a significantly more amount of money than I've won. <laughs> Dude, I went through like my bet history just the other night. There was a stretch that I had lost 18 bets in a row. And well, I was like, oh my God. <laughs> I, I felt I felt really good at myself because I was up. I was up a lot of money because between FanDuel, DraftKings, and the Barstool, Barstool Sports book. And I was like, wow, like I really know what I'm doing. Like I've made a ton of money. And then I kind of <laughs> thought about like I've only made this money because it was the free – like sign up and refer a friend and you get like 50 bucks. <laughs> like th- yeah. those are the only bets I was hitting, the near guarantees. And I've literally pissed all that money away because I no. think I know what I'm doing now. So I would be like, oh, like – Dude, like plus six fifty for like Jake DeBrus to get a goal tonight, and I look and he hasn't played a game in two weeks. I'm like, ah, shit. Well, there's money. Like <laughs> <laughs> like stuff like that, you know. But uh, no, I'm terrible at betting. But did you see? What do you think about the uh, the Florida Panthers touching the Prince of Wales trophy, and uh, in Vegas deciding not to? Do you believe in that curse, that hex that everybody's talking about? No, I don't believe that. Um... I mean, God damn, Florida has done everything against the grain anyways this season. I and, know, right? And they just keep proving everybody wrong. For a sport that's filled with superstitions, Vegas, I mean, not Vegas, Florida is just telling everybody to stick it. They're going to yeah. touch the trophy. They're going to do whatever they can. They're going to go. They're going to be the, the the underdogs in every single series and just steamroll through everybody. It's amazing. I respect yeah. it, honestly. I'm not going to lie. I really I hate saying it. I like the Panthers team. They're they're so likable, dude. They're no, so likable. Like Matt, how can you not root for Matt Kachuk? How can you not root for him? Uh, it, it's, I would, and that's why it pisses me off because I would love to see him and Austin Matthews play on the same line together in the Olympics, and yeah. we're never going to be able to. This is the pinnacle of American hockey, and uh, guys like Matt Kachuk and Austin Matthews can't wear the red, white, and blue. It's so stupid. It is. It's it's. It's, I never, I didn't think of that. That does suck. But I mean, God, they just got a whole team filled with playoff type players: Gudis, Bennett, freaking, uh, what's his name, Reinhardt. Oh yeah, Mark, they're just Markov is disgusting. They're a bunch of dogs. Dude. Have you seen two? I'm very happy that ESPN is not showing any more hockey games for the rest of the year because their coverage sucks. But one yeah. thing I will miss is when they have those stupid animations that they play. <laughs> like, like they had when they had one of when when Florida they were like doing like a preview of like Florida playing Vegas or something, and it was like the 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 jankiest cartoon of Macachuk like bending down and like putting a box in the ground and lifts it up and there's just like a bunch of rats running out of it into <laughs> into like the golden knights break it was like what <laughs> dude i'm i'm almost certain it was espn but they posted a graphic today and I, I'll, I'll give them credit everything was cool about it it was Chuck facing um <clears throat> aiden hill and he was wearing like a, he had like a shield and a sword whatever and then they had an animal in the middle dude it, it was a it was a jaguar yeah, no, it, I it saw wasn't that. even a, it wasn't even a panther. It was a, everybody. Like a was, everybody was like, "This is like a cheetah. This isn't <laughs> even a panther." And everybody was like, yeah. "Man, respect to the admin for not taking that down." They also, <laughs> I remember they were when Seattle was in the playoffs. They were talking about how, you know, even though Seattle is a brand new team, they still have Stanley Cup 
pedigree and they listed off like three players. They said, you know, these three players on Seattle, they've all won a Stanley cup. And everybody was like, well, you know, they didn't even include Yanni Gord on the graphic. There was like another three or four players on Seattle who have also won a Stanley cup that they just like didn't mention at all. And it was like, Oh my God. I, you know, I know that this is the first, is this this is their first? Is this their first or their second no, year? No, I think it's their se- I think it's their second year. Oh my god! I mean, they've definitely had a whole bunch of growing pains, but hopefully they can they can learn from this and move on for next year because I am Dude. so happy that they don't have the Stanley Cup. No, me too. Thank God TNT has it. Mm-hmm. Um, TNT does a great TNT. job. TNT yeah. TNT is so good. Um, but ESPN is like. It's like it's it's like they have a bunch of middle schoolers in TV prod running the program. Like it, yeah, it, like, it, like like what you just said with Seattle. Like it's like do an extra. You can Google. Half, it's on, do, like look it up. Do an extra half hour of research. That's it. Yeah. Like, that's all you have to do. What ESPN should do is they should throw all the money in the world at pulling Doc Emmerich out of retirement to see if he'll join the booth. That might be their only saving race at this point because they've lost hockey fans. Dude, get rid of PK Subban too. I yeah. hate, I hate, I hate when he's in the in the intermission show or the pregame, whatever. It's like I he's, he's like trying to play a character. It's like like stop. Well, stop, I think stop. he's he's trying too hard to be ESPN's response to Biz on TNT. Yes. Like I think yes. he's trying to be their version of that. And like I know that the city of Boston and the Bruins have had a long history with PK Subban. Obviously he's been a thorn in our sides forever. I've genuinely always really liked PK. I loved him when he was in Nashville. I liked him when he was in New Jersey. Um, He was a player that I loved to hate when he was in Montreal and like post-retirement, I really like PK Subban. Like he was a good ambassador for the NHL. They used him in like a lot of marketing stuff because I mean, let's face it, like half the guys in this league have the, have the, you know, same amount of fun as a cardboard box. Like they just suck. And PK was one of the only players with a personality. And since he's gone on, since he's gone national and he's gone on ESPN, he said a whole bunch of shit that is just like pretty far out of pocket. And he's just like kind of made a fool of him. Like, it's just, I don't know. Like, I feel like you can tell he's trying to overcompensate and trying to like portray a character, like you said. And it's just like, go back to the PK that you were before. Like, stop playing this character up so much. I will say he said one thing that genuinely made me laugh so goddamn hard. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. What is it? So he has a phrase. It's like the the, the team's gonna pack a lunch, right? Like, and that means to to him that means um, the team's like, you know, give some more yeah. effort, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think he was talking about, I want to say it was Carolina, and it was one of the games against the Panthers. I, I might be wrong on that, but the same sentiment is the same regardless. And they were getting crushed, and it was an intermission, and he goes, well. I mean, they're gonna have to pack a Lizzo-sized lunch in this next oh, period, yeah. and I, I actually like died laughing. And it I didn't, it didn't, that. it didn't stir up as much controversy as I thought it would. But th- that's the one time where I was like, okay, that was genuinely like actually really funny. I don't remember if that was the one. I remember I was watching one of their coverages. It might have been that one. I don't remember it might have been something else but i just remember i was watching the game and like they were about to cut the commercial and he just kind of said something like so off color like off color and out of pocket and i was like oh i'm gonna see that on twitter tonight <laughs> it was just like one of those things i was like oh pk 
Yeah. Oh man. But, but yeah, um, thank God TNT's got the coverage. It's also, I th- I'm pretty sure this is the first time since 1994 that every game is going to be available on cable too. I think it's going to be on True TV, ABC, wow. TNT. It's it's so anybody who wants to watch it, you have access to it. Somebody must have been whispering something sweet in Gary Bettman's ear. Yeah. It's about damn time, dude. All, all, think about all the games this year that could have been just like this. All of the national original right. six matchups, all of these big division battles that could have been nationally televised. We were talking earlier about how um, people in like Northern California were blacked out from watching a Seattle Kraken game, but you could watch it in Hawaii. How does that make sense? Like it's, oh, it's so ass backwards, but the only way you can grow the game is by letting people watch the game. So I'm happy that they're putting the Stanley Cup finals on on uh, cable. Yeah. Um, so on Twitter earlier, we asked for your guys' questions uh, to incorporate into the show. We got a couple. So I'm going to go through some right now. Uh, this comes in from Michelle Monjin. I'm sorry if I got your last name wrong, but that's how my brain pronounced it. Uh, you can follow her on Twitter at M-O-N-G-E-3328. She has three questions. First question, if Allmark is the goalie that goes, does Bussy get the nod to come up and skate with the team or do they get another goalie? Um, I feel like Bussy would come up because they're not trading Omar because he sucks. They're trading because they need cap space. You can call Bussy up for what, less than under a mil a year? And he's a relatively pretty good goalie. I mean, I know they're really high on him, right? Yeah. I think that would make the most sense. And then you would use that $5 million cap hit that Omar has and go get yourself a second line center or try to fill out the rest of this roster or re-sign somebody who's going to leave. I don't know. Yeah, we were talking about this last night on the um, What's Brewing live show with Nosek and Mark. And it makes sense. Only thing that worries me is how many games would you want Bussy to play? He's got no experience. Like, are you ready for Swayman to put in like 50 to 60 games? Yeah, no, I think I'm ready for Swayman to put in 50, 50 to 60 games. I would just worry if Swayman got hurt or something, which he has in the past, right? He was out for like a month last year, and suddenly you're like, oh, shit, we got to turn to this rookie Brandon Bussey for an extended amount of time. Then I would be worried. So I guess maybe signing a, a, a veteran backup wouldn't be the worst idea, but yeah. – um, I mean, I think you would really have to be careful as to how much money you would give a player who would do that because I, the reason you're trading Leas Omar is strictly for cap purposes in the first place. Right. I think for me personally, I think I would rather go get a veteran backup literally for minimal. Like you don't need like a superstar backup, but I think you need a guy with a little bit of experience who wouldn't – almost a guy who, who would be okay with a two-way deal, right, who – would play maybe 10 to 15 games for you. Same thing with Bussy. You can kind of back and forth them a little bit, send them up, send them down, 10 to 15 games split between the two backups, and then Swayman takes the rest. And like you said, if Swayman gets hurt, then at least you know this guy has, at least in the past, been able to take on. Yeah, you can kind of stay afloat for a little bit. Yeah, yeah, until he's back and healthy. And if he's hurt for a long time, you're kind of screwed regardless. So Yeah, you know, you've kind of talked me into it. I mean, before I would have just called a bussy, but I like the idea of if you trade Omar, get a veteran back there. Because even yeah. like I, I know Swayman's been around for a little bit now. He's gotten, you know, what, 100 starts or 85 starts between the last two seasons or whatever the hell it yeah, is. But I mean, yeah, he's still 
24, 25. I mean, he's a young goalie. I mean, he still has, he's never had to experience the, the weight of being a true number one, getting, you know, 16 odds a season. So I right. think that would be a good idea of, of bringing in a veteran backup should Omar get traded. Yeah. Um, so Michelle's second question, she says, do you see the team dealing a big name player with a big contract in a trade? So AK, I guess um, players on the roster fitting that description. Taylor Hall is probably not going anywhere because he's got a no movement. Um, so I guess maybe you're looking at Omar. Mike Riley. Omar. <laughs> I, I'd consider Forbert, um, Grizzlick. Maybe. I would I would trade Forbert, but do you consider Forbert a big name player? Right, that's why I was kind of wishy washy on it. Yeah, um, yeah. What about Marshawn? I know I know Chris Nosek has been has been kind of banging the drums on why it would make sense to trade Brad Marshawn, and I hear him, and I think that you know, it, if you hired a fan of any other team in the NHL to come in here and be the GM, I feel like they would be able to rationalize the concept of trading Brad Marchand. But I think as Bruins fans, myself included, it is so hard to look at this from an objective point of view and say, yes, I will trade Brad Marchand because uh, that would be like crippling to my happiness. (laughs) Brad Marchand (laughs) was skating around another team's sweater. But from the standpoint of the future and of the of in the success of this roster moving forward, not even just from on the ice, but from like a can we put together an, a, a a good enough team to win games with the cap situation we have? I think it might make sense to trade Brad Marchand, and that kills me to say. The thing is, too, if we're really trying to rationalize it, you get you get Omar's five mil off the books, you get Marchand's six mil off the books. That opens up enough money to re-sign Bertuzzi. That opens um, up enough money to uh, go get yourself Austin Matthews. And, <laughs> <laughs> and his no, whopping but, zero goals in the second but, round. But you know what? You know, yeah. You know what I mean, though. Like, yeah. If and you're right. If you're on the outside looking in, it makes sense. If you're, if you're, uh, if you're on the Bruins, though, if you're a guy like Charlie McAvoy. Right, and, and and you see the Bruins ship Brad Marchand out of here, a guy who was part of that 2011 Stanley Cup team, who's been such a key part to the three Bruins Stanley Cup appearances, who's been uh, a, a a center of this organization of this city for you know the last 12 years, and you watch the Bruins ship him out of town. If you're McAvoy, would you be like, oh shit, you know, maybe I'm a little hesitant of signing a second contract here for fear of being treated the same way. I mean, maybe, but at the same time, too, I think they understand it's a business. Also, if 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 they do it the right way and they're able to set this team up for success in McAvoy's future years and he sees and understands that as well, he might be a little more understanding because I, I think he would wrap. Well, I don't want to speak for him or, or or drum up, you know, conspiracies, but if you if he sees that the team is going to be successful for longer and, and set his career up for success a little bit better than if they had just let Marshawn retire as a Bruin, right? And they get nothing in return. Then I don't know. I don't know. It's a weird conversation and I haven't really thought about it too much, but yeah, but also, it makes sense if you're just looking at it. Thinking too, like if, if you were to trade, 
Brad Marshawn. I, I feel like you can't you can't just like say, hey, we're trading Marshawn. Highest bidder gets him. Like, I right. feel like you have to have enough respect for the player to be like, all right, Brad, where do you want to go? Like, we'll, yeah, we'll oh, send absolutely. you where you want to go. And, and because of that, I feel like depending on – I feel like just having that mindset in the first place it, right off the bat is going to immediately hinder – as the, the amount that you could get back in a trade should you, you know, open your doors and say, come on in and take them. And I think because of that, which is why it would hurt more, because then it would truly kind of just be shipping Brad Martian out of here as a cap casualty. And yeah. like after everything that he's done for the Bruins, for this team, to think that his tenure is going to end as a cap casualty would like, as a fan, that would hurt. suck. Yeah. But yeah. Again, the rational side, I think, of both of us is saying it It might make a little bit of sense. <laughs> yeah. Rationally, it makes a little bit of sense. Do we want to see it? I think both of us are on the same page as a big heaping no. Because it, <laughs> it would be heartbreaking. I will um, cry. <laughs> yeah. Oh my, imagine the video tribute he would get and how long of an ovation he would get. on his. It would his be a feature talk. film. It would be a two hour long <laughs> video tribute. It would have to be at a matinee game because if, <laughs> if it was at like 7 p.m. puck drop, I mean, kids aren't going to bed until 3 a.m. because that game isn't starting until at least 930. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um. So let's see here. Her third question. Do they pay Bertuzzi or Orlov to stay? I think Bertuzzi. I would lean towards Bertuzzi as well. I, th- I, I, you and I think we're both. End of the regular season, I think we were both like you got to sign Orlov because of how well he played. But I think after watching the uh, the first round of the playoffs, not just what you got from Bertuzzi, but I think more importantly what you got from Orlov. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're both like I think you might want to re-sign Bertuzzi before you start conversations with Orlov. Yeah, I would say Orlov. I mean, uh, I would say Bertuzzi as well. Um, you saw how well he fit into this forward group. He fits Bruin style hockey too. He's kind of a little asshole out there. And even if you trade Brad Marchand, I mean, and I mean that in the he, most complimentary way too. Yeah, <laughs> he's a little bit of a dirtbag, and that's why we love him. Yeah. But if you if you trade Brad Marchand, I mean, y- you can at least know that you're not losing all of that grit in like douchebaggery because you still have Tyler Bertuzzi on the roster. You know? Yeah, yeah, he could fit right in there. But yeah. um. So this next one comes in from Chris Fevens. You can follow him at Bruins Fever One. He says, "When will the pain stop?" <laughs> I think it stopped. I'm gonna be honest. I think it. I think. I think. Uh, I've plateaued with my pain. I. It's. I'm on to next season. I'm ready for yeah. next year. I think I've already kind of processed it and pushed it down as far as I can. And I think part of that is because the NHL playoffs is just so freaking long. I mean, this was yeah. like over a month ago now that the Bruins lost. I mean, what season, man? I'm ready to start and then it's ready to start next year. Yeah. But um I don't know. I, I feel like when the season is really over and like whether it be Florida or Vegas that wins the Stanley Cup, I think I might get hit with that second wave of like, damn, this sucks. But yeah. at least that then you can also say, well, the season ended, unfortunately, for 31 of the 32 teams or however many leagues are in the NHL now. Um, but no, the the pain, the pain, um, I hate to say it, but I hope you're ready for that second wave in about a week and a half. <laughs> I will say, though, I think it's going to make next season more anticipated 
because we're all going to be hockey starved. And then when oh, yeah. hockey's finally back, we're all going to be ready. We're all going to be ready to go get pumped up. And it, I think it's going to make next season. It, it gives next season a little more juice to it. You know, yeah. you're, you're you're on your revenge tour. Well, especially too, because this season was so hyped up as the last dance. And yeah. <laughs> you and I, and a lot of other fans were having the whole last dance. I think for most of us hinders entirely around this nucleus of like Bergeron, Krejci and uh, Marshawn. And you can say pasta too, even though pasta's here for, you know, decade plus let's freaking go down Sweeney. But like thinking about like this team, like the conversation was always, if the Bruins win the Stanley cup, does Bergeron come back? If the Bruins lose in a heartbreaker in the Stanley cup, does Bergeron come back? It was never, if the Bruins get bounced in seven in the first round, is this team going to come back next year? And I think, because of the way that it ended, it kind of wiped this season as the last dance. And I think that's kind of pushed it to next season. So I think we're kind of all arming and, and priming and getting ready for this season, potentially really being the last dance season I mean, with Bergeron, Krejci, and Marshawn. And I think for that, I'm like, I'm ready to go. Like, let's yeah. drop the puck and get the season started. <laughs> I was I was going to say when you were saying that, it's the, this is the prelude. The, the real, yeah. the this, real last was, dance is next it year. Was, it was the appetizer. It was the trailer for the documentary. This is going to be, this season is going to be the first 10 minutes of next season's Stanley Cup winning DVD. And it sucks right now, but just think about next year when you pop that DVD into your DVD player, you record it on Nessun or when you catch it on Netflix, whatever the hell it's going to be on. Did your lights just go out? My my light, yeah. I got. Oh gosh, um, just think that this this season is gonna be reduced to a ten minute intro to the greatest video you've ever seen next year. So that's kind of what I've been getting by right now, um, but we'll see. If Bergeron and Krejci don't come back, then I'm back to oh not Krejci. If Bergeron doesn't come back, then I'm right back to rock bottom again. <laughs> yeah. Um. Let's see here. So. We got a one last question here. It wasn't really a question. It was more of a statement, and I, I do want to touch up on it. This comes from Mike. You can follow him on Twitter at MikeDowns4. He said, fire Don Sweeney. Why? Thoughts? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I think we, we either talked about this last episode or the episode before. Honestly, I think we talked about like four episodes in a row now. But if if you hear me and Sully defending Don Sweeney, then you know he did something right because you and I would be on the front lines of fire this guy if he made even the slightest mistake this entire season. But the roster that he put together, 65 wins. Yes, they lost in the playoffs, but that's the exact same team that just had the greatest regular season of all time. You can't blame Don Sweeney for that. Um, maybe these next couple years, if he makes, if he moves the wrong guy and he signs another Matt Bolesky or whatever it might be, then we can re uh, engage in the conversation of Don Sweeney sucks. But after what you just saw last year and even the moves he's made leading up, leading up to this year to establish this year as the last dance, even though we just said 30 seconds ago that next season's the real last dance. There's no way that you can blame Don Sweeney for anything that happened this year. No, I mean, we did our player coaches and front office report card episode last week and he got an A plus. Yeah. Um, he's, I, I don't, I, I think people, <laughs> I don't, I don't even have the words for people who still say this. I don't, I don't really understand. It's, it's, I feel like it's in the same grouping of people that say the Bruins never should have fired Bruce Cassidy. And, and like, and they're harping on the fact that he's in the cup final now. It's like a stupid, nonsensical argument. 
Why? Why? Yeah. This is all and, I have to say is why. And I know we talked about that last episode, but I've seen so many people on Twitter talk about how, um, like, they just totally forgot about last year and about the trade requests and about the right. retirements and about all of the postseason failures. And just because you watch Bruce Cassidy go to the Stanley Cup with the Vegas Golden Knights, suddenly they fire the wrong guy. Like, come on. Like, what do we all have? Do we all forget what's happened around here the last six years? Like, let's be real. And by the way, we all know and understand the rational ones that Bruce Cassidy is not a bad coach. He's a very, very good NHL hockey coach. Um, it just so happens that he was here for six years. The guys in the locker room kind of got sick of him as it happens with every single coach in the league. You have, you, as soon as you start the job, you have a timeline and your people are going to get sick of you. Like, like what, what, what like, do they expect him to be here until he like retired? Like, yeah. Then why isn't Claude Julian sense. still coaching here? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Where do, is Claude? He won the Stanley Cup. Right. It doesn't, it, it's, it, you could be the greatest coach in your respective sport, but eventually your voice is going to get stale and it happens to everybody. That's why, you know, every single team in the league hasn't had the, the same coach since they joined the NHL. Like coaches get fired. Things happen. Like I'm sure if, if Tampa has the same, if they lose in the first round and for the next two or three seasons, again, they're going to fire John Cooper. Who's won. Yes. What is it? Three cups, two cups, whatever the hell it is. I mean, it just it just happens. Your voice falls flat sometimes. It falls stale sometimes. And sometimes when you have new coaches come into a new locker room, it's an instant boost of whether it be chemistry, of morale, of whatever it might be. It's one of those things you can't really put a word to in sports. That's why this team from last year came back this year with Jim Montgomery and they had 65 wins. That's why the Vegas Golden Knights hired Bruce Cassidy and now they're back in the Stanley Cup Finals. I mean, when Patrick Roy became the coach of the Colorado Avalanche, they sucked. He won the right. Jack Adams Award and he was part of that of, of that culture-setting team that just won the Stanley Cup last year. Like, this happens all around the NHL. The best part of Patrick Waugh's coaching career is when he pushed the middle glass down on Bruce Boudreau. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dude, Patrick Waugh just won uh, a trophy, too. I don't know what league he's coaching in now, but his team just won the championship. So Yeah. But clearly that also didn't hurt Colorado firing him because they just won the Stanley Cup last year. It's just right. it's part of the game. It's part of the sport. And these things happen. Yeah, it's just it's, – it's, I think it's a dumb argument, but – uh, we're going to get on to our last segment of the show right now, just for this episode. Um, since it's the off season, we kind of brainstormed a little fun segment that we can do on the show. So we have a spinning wheel right now with numbers one through 95. Those numbers being representing um, players who have worn those jerseys for the team. So whatever number it lands on, we're going to do a little. Uh, Whoa, you can share yeah. your screen on here. <laughs> yeah, you like that? Oh, so, we figured it out. So we're going to do a little live spinning wheel. So whatever number it lands on, we'll highlight that player. And we'll go on a little deep dive on his career and talk about him for a little bit. So let's see who we get here. This is so cool. This is the coolest thing you've ever done. <laughs> 53. All right. So 53. Is that Matt uh, Hanwick? 
Uh, I'll tell you in just one second. 53 is... Oh. Well, this is unfortunate for the first ever spinning wheel. The best player, the best player is Seth Griffith. Oh shit! I forgot he even existed. Do you, I remember specifically one time he scored one goal with the team? Uh, I think it was in 2015, maybe. It was like Bobby Orr esque. It was one of the nastiest goals because I'll never forget. I was at the mall shopping for shoes. And they had the game on the TV. It was at Foot Locker in the mall. And they had the game on the TV. And me being me, I sat down and I just watched the game. And Seth Griffiths scored this. He, like, cut to the net. He got tripped up and he scored in the air, backhand, past whoever. And I'm, like, I'm like one of three people in the store. And I'm, like, oh, I'm like let's go! <laughs> <laughs> and these guys are all looking at me like, what is this kid's problem? The only thing I remember about um, Seth Griffith is that he kind of had a funny looking face, which I think tells you all you need to know about uh, him as a hockey player. I think he had like six career goals or something like that. I just looked at his numbers, but um, I don't really know what else you can say about the guy. Yeah. I mean, in, in, if we want to respect the spinning wheel, I say we do another one. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> all right. All right. Um, so let's see here. Just their luck getting Seth Griffith with the first <laughs> Yeah. Like, what is this? All right. Uh, let's see. I'm going to share the screen again. What so number was Matt Hunwick? Give me oh, one second. Spinning wheel. Uh, yeah, 48. Did it pop up on the uh, on the stream? Yes, I can see it. Okay, all right, so here we go. We're going to spin it. What's it going to land on? What's it going to land on? Did you choose the colors of this spinning wheel? No. <laughs> so oh, we were one away from uh, Ray Black. All right, well, 78. Who, let's see here. Nobody in the Bruins history has <laughs> this, this is the worst segment we've ever done. <laughs> it's kind of entertaining. Hey, third time is the charm, though. So <laughs> you, and, you and I have been you and I have been talking this morning about doing this segment. We were all excited about it. We saved it for the end of the show. First, we do all the work of putting it together. First spin, we get Seth Griffith. Second spin, the player doesn't exist. <laughs> We got Seth Griffith and a and a and a non-existent player. Um, so hang on a sec. I gotta I gotta send <laughs> You zoomed in on the. You can't even see anything. I know. I know. I'm fixing it right now. Hey, this is great radio right now. Use your imaginations, oh, everybody. Um, we're gonna get the spinning wheel back up on the screen right now. And if you're listening on Spotify, please just hang in, and you'll hear the <laughs> and you'll hear the, the uh, you'll hear the wheel go. Uh, all right. So uh, now I gotta spin it. <laughs> this is great. Okay. You sound like like a like an old guy like learning how to use a computer on Zoom, trying to use a computer for the first time. <laughs> Let's see here. Oh. Oh, number eight. Number eight. Okay. Cam Neely. 
All right, Cam Neely. This okay. Here we go now. Cam Neely. We're not going to focus on his front office time. We'll we'll go strictly player. I mean, obviously, number retired. He's one of the greatest Boston Bruins of all time. Um, first we got him ninth overall in 1983. Vancouver six, did. Uh, yes, yes, yes. Sorry. Um, he had 694 points in 726 games, 395 goals, 299 assists, all-time plus 83. Obviously one of the best power forwards of all time. I don't think that's even up for debate. Oh, yeah. Even like – because well, he retired in 95, 96. I wasn't born yeah. until 98. So even like he was my favorite player growing up. I loved Cam Neely. Um even like I remember, and I think a lot of the Cam Neely fanfare, or a lot more of it, came around too when Milan Lucic came around, because yes. he couldn't he couldn't hold Cam Neely's jockstrap, but he did everything that Cam Neely could do, just significantly worse. But it was almost like seeing like a like a not a poor man's Cam Neely, but somebody who a modern day Cam Neely minus the goal scoring, um, yes. and and with stone hands. But um, Cam Neely, the you know, if it wasn't for his knees, I mean, who knows what he could have done? Fifty goals in forty nine games fantastic actor who can forget about sea bass yeah um, yeah <laughs> <laughs> but no i mean talk about talk about a a highway robbery bruins snagging him from vancouver guy had uh, his career high was 21 goals came to the bruins boom 36 goal season followed up with 42 and then 37 goals then he hit 55 51 50 goals in 49 games his numbers hanging up there for a for a reason uh truly one of the greatest power forwards the game has ever seen and uh fantastic actor dude, jury's still out on him as a front office dude <laughs> dude in, in uh the 88 89 season with boston his, his age 23 season um third season with the team he had 190 penalty minutes and he still managed to get 75 points three goals away from 40 um it's insane like i mean if you're if you're a younger listener right now and you've never really dove deep into Cam Neely highlights. I highly recommend you go to YouTube right now and just look at it. Some of them, you, some of them are in the old garden too. Like, do you know who the Bruins traded for Cam Neely? I actually don't. They traded the great Barry Peterson mm. for Cam Neely. I'd say that worked out. They got hey. a first round pick and Cam Neely actually, and people forget Barry Peterson was pretty nice. He had a thirty nine. He had Barry Peterson was very very good. Barry Peterson when he was twenty years old had forty four goals, ninety two points. Second Jeez. season he was twenty one, forty six goals, hundred and seven points. Then he followed it up with thirty nine goals and one hundred and sixteen points. So all things considered, the Bruins gave up quite a bit if you were to look at those numbers, but as soon as he went to Vancouver, I mean, 76 points, 71 points, 41 points, 31 points, and the Bruins got Cam Neely. So, yeah. you know, I think that trade paid off. Hey, and both of them are now part of the Bruins organization anyways. That's right. <laughs> Barry yeah. Peterson, you get to hear his melodic voice on Nesson. Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, guys, Um, hopefully you guys enjoyed that spinning wheel segment. Uh, we got to come up with a name for it, too, so we don't just keep saying spinning wheel segment. 
I'll, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I'll go through it next time too, and I'll take out some numbers that don't exist within the Bruins organization, and I'll take out number eight so that Cam Neely doesn't pop up again. But make sure you leave Seth Griffith though. I would like to <laughs> visit him. <laughs> that that segment right there. You know what? We're gonna have retired numbers in the Something's Bruin podcast. Seth Griffith summer has now retired, along yeah. with Craig Smith being Raptors. And of course, Jack Edwards suit jacket. Yes. Hang, hang oh, them all yeah. up there in the rafters. Yeah. Um, and I think, should we also add Benoit Puglia and Casper's Dogovins? We will do that once our streams hit 30 viewers Ooh. At, at once. Like all 30 viewers all at once. What's our highest? I think like nine. No, no. Our highest is 12 <laughs> oh, okay all right hey we're getting so, yeah. there hey now that we're talking about it um we we stream eashl on nhl 23 on twitch uh you can follow our twitch account at something's brewing podcast we play we try to play every thursday night um we'll play for a couple hours you know depending on how many people are in there and hanging out with us and watching us and talking hockey with us um or just getting hype with us i will um, say this too we're not we're not half bad i we, no, we have a sub not. we have a sub 500 record but i i think we're like maybe four and six but yeah. of those six losses i think only one of them was a rage quit because we were like literally playing the developers of the game it was the dumbest thing ever yeah. and all, all the other losses were like by one goal a couple of them were heartbreakers but um, yes we try to do that every i don't know if you mentioned it we try to do that every thursday with our buddy connor we will probably be doing it this Thursday. We usually try to aim for around 8.30. But uh, if we do, tune in. We'll tweet the link. It's always a good time. We like talking to you guys and taking questions and hopefully picking up some wins. So we'll see if that if that train can continue this Thursday. Also, we may or may not have a goalie, correct? Potentially. We may or may not have a goalie. We do have somebody who is most definitely interested. We would just have to go through the logistics of adding them to our roster because – you and I are like sometimes the most elementary tasks take us hours. Forever. Yeah. <laughs> because we are morons. I don't know if, I don't know, yeah. I don't know if you picked this up from listening to our <laughs> big spinny wheel segment, but we don't always know what we're doing. <laughs> Setting up the wheel with guys who don't exist. <laughs> guys like, guys like Seth Griffin popping up who played like 80 career NHL games. We got um, so excited. Came really popped up and didn't even know what to say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, hey, as as always, you guys can um follow our Twitter at Bruin Something. Uh, follow our YouTube at Something's Bruin. You can follow myself on Twitter at underscore Mike Sullivan. You can follow Nick on Twitter at Nick Melanson underscore. And as always, we are brought to you in partnership with the Black and Gold Productions LLC. You can follow the company as a whole at BNG Productions. Uh hell yeah, dude. What an episode. I think this little uh We'll workshop a name for it, but the spinny wheel segment is definitely going to help during the off season. It'll keep things interesting yeah. for sure. The spinning wheel of death. We can the come spinning. up with some, come up with something more creative. We might have to take to the people on Twitter. They have better ideas than we do. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, but yeah, so this was episode forty-three of the Something's Brewing podcast. We got Vegas, Florida in the Stanley Cup final. It's going to be one hell of a series. Um, so we'll, you know, obviously continue to talk about that as that series rolls on. But as of right now, thank you guys for listening, and we will catch you all next week.
Have you seen all the dream. smoke in the air? Yeah, what the hell? I would, dude, I said that to one of my coworkers today. I was like, we got back from work, and I was like, have you noticed like all the haze in the in the sky? Like, yeah. do you know what that is? Yeah, there's uh, wildfires up in Nova Scotia, and that's the smoke from the fire. It's because the winds are pushing it down this way. What? Mm-hmm. They said it's supposed to clear out though tomorrow morning, but it ranges from uh, the Cape all the way through. Uh, I think they said Worcester County. Yeah, because I noticed that. I thought I was going. I thought it was. I'm like, I'm like, it can't be allergies because I'm not dying. Oh, I saw that <laughs> when I was driving. <laughs> it looked like you just got stabbed. <laughs> I hit the sharp part of my desk with my knee. I wish um, I could clip your face. Right there. That was so funny. <laughs> when I was driving around yesterday, I it kind of smelled like fire a little bit. But then today I noticed the haze everywhere. Well, it was real. I was in like the, um, like uh, Pleasant Street and like that whole area today. I, I had Marcus's street, and the whole time I was like, oh, people just must be grilling. Like the whole city of Marlboro must be grilling outside. <laughs> Weird though. I don't smell any hot dogs. You <laughs> say, oh, everybody's roasting some dogs. Everybody's Everybody. Just- <laughs> There's no way. There's wildfires in Nova Scotia that are so strong that it's 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 caused it to be cloudy around here with a thick haze everywhere you go. And you thought that it was just because everybody in Marlboro was grilling at the same time. (laughs) 